Turn with me in the scriptures, please, to the book of John, John chapter 14. We'll begin about verse uh, 16, I think. Jesus said, I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter. He was their comforter up until that point. He told them he's going away. They were upset. He said, we're going to give you another comforter. Somebody to, to take my place. Then he will abide with you forever. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to just be with you for a while and leave you. He will abide, live, stay with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Unbelievers think their lack of experience in God proves that they're right about believing there is no God. But they don't understand. God doesn't reveal himself to those that reject him and don't believe in him. Did you notice this phrase? The world cannot receive him. To unbelievers, uh, it's like there is no Holy Spirit. And they can mock and scoff at people like us and go, oh, y'all are just imagining, just fanatics, just poor, ignorant folks that need the crutch of religion. And they don't know how wrong they are. Because he's real. I said he's real. But you won't find out how real he is until you believe in him. Do you believe what the Lord says? People say, well... Prove it to me and I'll believe it. Mm, doesn't work that way. Sorry. You got to believe it and then he'll show you something. <laughs> he reveals himself to those that believe in him. That's the way it works. Keep reading in the uh, 16th chapter. Well, let's see. I, I, I left too quick. Verse 26 in chapter 14. 14, 26. The comforter, Jesus said, which is the Holy Ghost. Ghost is an old English word for spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Has God given us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us, to be our guide, to be our teacher, to be our reminder? Are we aware of him? Did did you read with us in the book of Acts? Did you look for the Holy Spirit. Is there a lot about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts? Were they aware of Him? I mean, you, you see it again and again and again. The Spirit said. The Spirit uh, forbade. The Spirit directed. The Spirit... They were very aware of the leading and operation of the Holy Spirit in the church, in their meetings, their services, their personal life. Are we a part of the same church? We got the same Spirit? then we ought not just be making decisions and doing things based on statistics and consensus and majority opinion and all these different ways. Children of God should be led by the Spirit of God, just like we read in the book of Acts. In the 16th chapter, notice, 16 and uh, 13, Jesus said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. 
You notice how many times he, he, he refers to truth, truth, truth. God is truth. It's impossible for God to lie. The devil, on the other hand, is the father of lies. And anything he's going to be saying and doing is going to involve deception and misleading and falsehood. God's not involved in any deception. Anybody that tries to leave the idea uh, that the Lord dealt with them to hide and lie and cover cannot be true. I said God will not have anything to do with the lie. And the Holy Spirit is never going to be a partner to any deception. Any falsifying. He is the spirit of truth. The word of God is the word of truth. Jesus said I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the spirit of truth is going to do what? He will guide you into what? All the truth. Now there's more here than meets the eye like, like always with the word. If you know the truth, then by contrast, you know everything that's not right. Do y'all see? Let's see. you're in a situation. And you're, you're in a business situation. You're at the office. And this stuff has come up and some are saying it's like this. Some are saying no, it's like this. Some are saying it's like this. What do you need to know? You need to know the truth. You need to know what really happened and what the situation really is. You need to know the truth. And as soon as you know the truth, what else do you know? Everybody that's telling something else is telling lies. Because you know the truth. And you got somebody in you 24-7 that's endeavoring to show you and me what the truth is in every set of circumstances, every situation. If we'll learn to look. When you hear a bunch of junk, you, you know, Paul even said about some, some believers that had told him some things. He said, I partly believe it. Some things you ought not believe at all. Some things you only partly believe. When the Lord tells you something, you believe it completely. Because he only tells you the truth. <clears throat> but anyway, in any situation, if we'll just, Paul, we're hearing a bunch of stuff. Don't try to figure it all out with your head. You're just simply not qualified. There's not enough up there <laughs> to figure it all out. I don't care how smart you think you are. You do not know everything about everything or the past or the future or people's hearts or minds and intents. You can't know all of that all the time. But God does. And he'll show you the pertinent parts to you and your situation. All you need to know is the truth. And when you know the truth, in the light of that, everything else becomes plain and simple. Amen. You don't mess with the other stuff because you know the truth. Say it out loud. The Spirit of Truth, truth lives in me 24-7. And in every situation, He guides me into the truth. So I see it. And I know it. The truth. Do you think that would give you an edge? Yes. Whew. In every situation. I, you know, you don't, you don't like to say it, but I've had preachers lie to me. Uh, but I remember one guy, bless his heart, some things were going on and he shook my hand and he just smiled and told me some stuff. And as, as he was saying, the Spirit of God inside me said, 
That's not true. (laughs) This is the truth. He's showing me the truth. And I just sat there and thought, man, I'd rather you to slap me. Because why? The enemy of my soul is trying to deceive me every day and night. My brother and sister ought not do it. Right? Make up your mind. Now, just about everybody in here, if not everybody, has told a lie. And hidden and deceived and whatever. But friend, let's put it behind us. And let's repent. Repent means change. And make up your mind from this night forward... I am not going to be a part. I don't care what it costs me. I'm not lying. I'm not agreeing with a lie. I'm not telling a lie. Why? Nothing's more devilish than a lie. God's not going to be involved with it. He's the spirit of truth. And when you know the truth, what will the truth do for you? Anybody know? The truth will make you free. If you stay in the truth, you stay free. Keep reading. What else will the Holy Spirit do for us? He'll guide you, verse 13, into all the truth. He'll not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. I taught a course on the Holy Spirit at Rainbow Bible Training Center years ago. And in the summer before the school year began, I was doing extra study on the subject and preparing and and getting ready. And I began to see more about the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a knowable person. The Bible talks about communion with the Holy Spirit. You can commune and fellowship with the Holy Spirit just like you do your friend or family member. And so I I remember distinctly, I kind of sat back in my chair and I said, "Uh, Holy Spirit, tell me about yourself. I want to get to know you. Tell me about yourself. And I mean, faster, before I could get finished saying the words, he brought, the Holy Spirit brought up in my spirit and said, when he has come, he shall not speak of himself. I thought, okay. (laughs) I thought, Holy Spirit, tell me about Jesus. And it was almost like he said, have a seat. (laughs) Sit down. That is his ministry. He shall not speak of himself, but he shall take of mine. He'll show it to you. He's here to reveal the master to us. He is God, but he doesn't speak of himself, and we ought not try to try to change that. It's not going to change. He'll glorify me. Verse 14, what's going to happen? He'll glory, Jesus said he's going to glorify me. He shall receive of mine and shall show it to you. Verse 13 said, he will show you things to come. Same thing like as with truth. There's more here than meets the eye. Now, you're not, it's not talking about falling into trances all the time. It's not talking about having open visions or, or seeing angels or hearing voices. You can just know quicker than you can explain it. You can get a glimpse of how this is going to turn out. Not, you're, not, you're not necessarily seeing anything with these eyes, but you, you get a sense and you just know in a moment, this is the way this needs to happen. This is how this is going to go. And if you know something about that, you can make preparation and you can make adjustments. And if you know the truth of every situation and you know thing, how it's going to go and turn out, would that give you an advantage? 
over unbelievers and, and even Christians that don't know how to be led. So much is available to us in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say it again. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. He's my comforter. He's my guide. He's my helper. He's my teacher. 24-7. Thank you, Lord. Go to Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans chapter 8. Talks further about this in the 14th verse. Romans 8. And 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How many think sons of God can be and ought to be? Led how? Do you think all Christians are being led by the Holy Spirit? What's leading people? Well, whatever you're following is what's leading you. Let me give you a few examples of wrong ways to be led. You can be head led. Oh man, millions of Christians are head led. They think about it. They do a bunch of figuring. And they figure this and they figure that. And then they make a decision. They go that way. Head led. Is that the same as spirit led? No. You can be feeling led. Emotion led. Get mad so you do something. Get upset so you say something. Get hurt so you say something. Is that being spirit led? No. Well that gets you in trouble. Letting your feelings lead you. Well I saw some conviction across the crowd. There's some experience in this area. You can be belly led. Belly led. The Bible talks about people whose God is their belly. Now that's a poor God. You serve your belly. Your belly tells you what to do and when and how. You can be desire led. Led by the desire of your eyes, the desire of your flesh. You can be desire led. How many of that can get you in trouble? You can be need led. You can be opportunity led. Well, it's a great opportunity. Well, that's not a leading. Is being led by opportunities the same as being led by the Holy Spirit? Is it the same? Just in the early years of our ministry, I could have been an associate over here. I could have been a song leader over there. We had opportunities. And I don't think I'd be looking at you right now. Well, it's a great opportunity. It's a great place to live. It's a good salary. It's a good this. It's a good opportunity for people to get to know you and people get to know your ministry. None of that is being spirit-led. None of that's being spirit-led. Being led by opportunities is not being led by the Spirit. People say, well, it's a great need. It's a great need. Well, yeah, but you're not uh, the only people that God could use to do something about it. There's a great need. Don't be led by needs. Well, they're putting a lot of pressure on me. Certainly don't be led by pressure. I'm scared if I don't. Don't be led by fear. Why am I saying all this? Because Christians are being led by all these things instead of the Holy Spirit. What's leading you? What are you following? People say, well, you know, 
What do you mean don't be led by it? It's a great opportunity. No, listen, friend. The enemy can manipulate things out here in this world. Don't we're, We should not be led externally. I don't care if both doors are open wide and there's soft music and people beckoning you to come. <laughs> and it's good money and a nice place. None of that is a leading. None of that is the Spirit's leading necessarily. And what you need to do is be able to stand outside and go, Lord, you want me to go through that? Is this you? And be willing to hear a no. No matter how attractive it is. And on the other hand, if you come to a place, I don't care if there's armed guards and there's steel walls and it's bolted and locked. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to go in. If the Lord tells you to go in, you stand there and believe God until the, the guards pass out and the doors open up and you get to go in. Right? You're not led externally by anything happening out here or not happening out here. We're led internally. Verse 14, do you see it? As many as are led, how? By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Don't be head-led, feeling-led, belly-led, desire-led, need-led, opportunity-led, fear-led. Don't be money-led. Well, it's better money. It's not a leading. It's big money. It's got to be God. No, it don't have to be God because it's big money. Oh, people have missed God over money. You know it? People have missed God over money. Don't be money-led. Don't be price-led. A lot of folks don't even pray about it. They just look for the cheapest one, and that's it. They make Their decision is made. That's being price-led. Has anybody been alive long enough and had enough experience to find out that the cheapest one is not always the cheapest one? Oh, brother. There are some situations you and I would have been better off paying ten times the price and get, you know what's the cheapest one? The one you only have to do one time. And you're done, works great, lasts a long time. That's the cheapest one. But it may not look like it up front. And how would you know? You can't know all of the factors and all the variables, but the Holy Spirit does. And if you follow Him, He'll lead you so you won't do too much or too little or at the wrong time. If you'll follow that witness, you'll know which one to get, when to get it, when to wait, and what to do. There's no way you can know enough in your head. There are too many variables. Too many things can change tomorrow that you couldn't know about. Too many things inside. But uh, part of praying without ceasing. I'll just mention this to you. Did you remember the Bible says pray without ceasing? That doesn't necessarily mean that you pray in every breath. I'm not praying right now. I'm preaching to you. Right? So I'm not praying every breath, every second. But basically it's saying don't stop praying. You pray as a way of life. And the Lord dealt with me some years ago. We were in a conference in another state. And after the service, uh, some friends of ours, minister friends and us, went out to, to get a bite to eat. And uh, we, as we were, uh, we ordered, and, and the wait person took our order and, and left. And uh, 
we started talking again. And normally what we would do is when the food came back, then we'd pray over our food and give thanks. And we'd eat. And as they walked away and everybody started talking again, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but prompted me. He said, now's the time to pray over your food. Right now. And just in a flash, I saw the difference between getting a good cut of meat and a spoiled piece of meat is reaching here or here. And would you rather uh, believe God and get over a poisoning or just never have to deal with it at all? We have not. Why? Because we don't ask and the Lord is dealing with me. Let me get involved before stuff happens. Not after the fact. Right now, as the wait person is walking away before the kitchen ever gets the order or anything, say, Lord, we ask you to direct them in the selection and preparation and handling of our food. And we call it blessed and sanctified. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And then, of course, another benefit, as soon as the food gets there, you can start eating because you've already prayed, man, just dive right in. Sometimes people are saying grace, and they don't even know what that means. And New Testament scripture talks about sanctifying your food by the word of God and prayer. We should be releasing faith, not just going through the motions or something. And the Lord helped me to see how that relates to praying without ceasing. He dealt with me. If you know you're going to buy a car, don't just wait till you get to the lot. As soon as you know or have some kind of sense that you're getting that model, ask the Lord. To help them build the right one for you. And help it to get to the right place. It might be a year or two before you get it. Are y'all with me? You go to somewhere and you buy a TV. Or you buy a range or a refrigerator. If you didn't know it until then. Well when they're going back to get it. The difference between you having a lemon and a trouble one. That you got to take back twice. Or breaks 12 times on you. Or having one that lasts and, and never gives you a problem for 20 years. Whatever. Is them getting this box. Instead of this box. Reaching and getting this one. Instead of that one. And if we will ask the Lord. He has a right to get involved. And so you pray. You don't have to pray an hour at a time on these things. Just you're praying all the time. Little prayers of faith. When I say little. I I don't mean in in effectiveness. In length. Time wise. You, just, while they're, you don't have to roll your eyes back of your head in Walmart and pray in tongues real loud and scare everybody. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just while they're walking back to get it. Under your breath. Quietly. Just say, Lord, I ask you to direct them in the selection of my item. Help them to pick the best one for me. Get the right one for me. Well, now God has a right to direct them. This kind of thing should be happening all the time, praying without stopping. A a lifestyle. Can you see that? And releasing faith. Verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are. The sons of God ought not be money-led, head-led, fear-led, feeling-led, belly-led, opportunity-led. How about friend-led, relative-led? How about news-led, politically (laughs) correct-led, (laughs) green-led? 
You ought to pray about everything, shouldn't you? You ought to check your heart about it. Don't, don't just be led because it's green or because it's politically popular or politically correct. We should be spirit-led all the time in everything. Now, you won't learn all about this in a day or two. But if you'll, if you'll look and check your heart and acknowledge him in all your ways and practice this day after day, you'll get sharper at it. You'll get clearer at it. You'll grow in it. You'll develop in it until you can be spirit-led in even the small things of life. You believe it, saints? Well, why did he give us the Holy Spirit if not to help us like this and lead us and guide us all the time? He wanted us to be helped like this. Said out loud, I am a child of God and I am continuously led by the Spirit of God. Keep reading verse 15. He said, uh, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And verse 16, the Spirit itself, or as most translations say, Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This verse is worthy of much meditation. It tells you how the Spirit leads you. How does He do it? Put the Amplified up there, please. If we have that, the Amplified. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our own Spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. If He can confirm to us and let us know we're saved and children of God, He could let you know something else. It just means He he can communicate with you. And He just got through saying in verse 14, led by the Spirit. This is just the way of life for us. But how it happens is not hearing voices or seeing things or hot flashes or cold flashes or or goosebumps. It is the Spirit of God doing what? Bearing witness with. Witness and testifying is translated from the same words. What part of our being does he bear witness with? Not our head, not our body. Not our emotions, our spirit, the core of our being. Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, said uh, he described the witness like this. He said, uh, he said the witness to him, there were times when it was like a dead feeling in my spirit, almost a weight, a check. That means don't do it, right? That means don't go that way. He said at other times, he said it was like a green light, a go-ahead. He described it sometimes as a good, velvety feeling. Amen. He's not talking about a physical or emotional feeling. We use the word feeling, but really it might not be the best word. Technically, it's a witness, right? Not just a feeling, a witness. And uh, we, if, we, if we practice paying attention to this, we can miss it less and less. And get it right more and more. Do you believe the Spirit of God never leads you to miss it? If you're following Him, you're not going to miss it. The times you missed it, it's the times you didn't follow Him. And one of the biggest reasons why people are missing it and not following Him, they're just not checking. They're just not even looking. They're just being led by something else and not even checking in with Him. How many would acknowledge you need help? In every one of your decisions, you, you need some help. But you have help. 
If you'll check in with him. And what the scriptures say. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. What had happened? He will direct your paths. If he's directing your paths. You'll be going the right way. You wind up at the right place. At the right time. With the right thing going on. Go to Hebrews. Even with the things that we've talked about. I know from some small experience. People have a lot of questions. About what's God. What's not God. Is that really the Lord leading me? Is is that just me? Or or what is that? And so we're going on tonight. Into some things I believe will help in that area. First of all we should acknowledge. That there have been a number of people. Ancient times. And all the way up to modern times. That have. Abused. This concept if you will that have misrepresented and said God said when he didn't say and said the Lord led me to do this or say this when the truth is he did not and uh, we should know him well enough to begin to detect when it's not him no matter if somebody says it is listen to some scripture you don't have to turn to these but listen, Jeremiah 23, 21, Jeremiah 23, 21, the Lord says, I have not sent these prophets, and yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, and yet they prophesied. Here's people prophesying, saying, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord says, I never sent them. They're saying, thus saith the Lord, but it's thus saith them. If, if they would have been accurate, they would have said, thus saith me, before they went on with their prophecy. <laughs> and that doesn't do away with the fact that there are some times when it is, thus saith the Lord. The real does exist. But not everybody that says, thus saith the Lord, is actually, thus saith the Lord. That's why even the New Testament talks about judging prophecies. Right? If I say, thus saith the Lord, and I speak something out, or you say something, thus saith the Lord, all of us are to judge it. People get uptight and go, who judged my prophecy? Oh, certainly we are. You better judge mine too. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, we're all going to check our hearts to see what kind of witness we have to what you just said. And we're going to check our memory of the scriptures. And then we're going to give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Anybody with me now? Does the Bible teach us to judge these things? Read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. We're taught to judge these things. What does that mean? Examine them and see if they're approved or not. Just because somebody says, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophetess, thus saith the Lord. It could be, thus saith them. Or it could be, The first half of it was thus saith the Lord. And the last half of it was just them. Why? They're human. They can mess up. They can make a mistake. Which is why you don't just swallow everything that somebody says the Lord said. As if it is absolutely what the Lord said. You must judge it. In Jeremiah 29 and 8. He said, thus says the Lord of hosts, let not your prophets and diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. 
Don't hearken to your dreams that they cause to be dreamed because they're prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. So here, now, now we need to remember this. He's saying this through Jeremiah. So here is somebody that says they're a prophet and they say, and thus saith the Lord. And then Jeremiah says, thus saith the Lord. That wasn't me. <laughs> Woo. Dueling prophets. That's exactly what happened. Read Jeremiah sometime and you'll find out that on one occasion, one of the guys got so brazen and got up in Jeremiah's face. And Jeremiah, when he got through prophesying, that guy fell dead. Because he was lying in the name of the Lord. Fell dead right there on the spot. How many think it doesn't pay to lie in the name of the Lord? <laughs> Somebody say bad idea. Bad. It's a bad idea. Other places where he says, they're saying the Lord said it, but I have not spoken the Lord said. So there are times, and believers, not just preachers, believers can say, there are times when people know if I say this is what I want to do, it doesn't carry enough weight. And they're not going to get the support and result that they want. But if they'll say, the Lord told me, then folks can go, oh, the Lord told you. Yep, sure did. But that doesn't mean he did. How would you know if it involves you? Now, some things don't involve you. Some things are none of your business. You don't have to judge it. It's there. You say, hey, that's between them and the Lord. Poof, not my business. I'm not to judge. But if it does involve you and it does affect you, how could you know if it was the Lord? Number one, it's going to be in line with this written word. Number one. Number two, if it is the Holy Spirit, there's just one Holy Spirit. If it's the Holy Spirit speaking, doing something through them, you've got that very same Spirit in you. And there will be a familiarity and a knowing and a witness. You'll have a witness that, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Man, my spirit bears witness to that. The Bible said, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, a stranger's voice, they will not follow. What does that mean? When you're hearing it and you're going, whoo. That's weird. Wow. Where'd that come from? That's the thing you don't accept and the thing you don't do. I don't care who it is or, or what kind of prophet they're supposed to be. Are y'all listening, saints? You got the Holy Spirit in you too. And if it doesn't bear witness, now I'm talking about things that pertain to you. But you got to watch about trying to be led for somebody else. That's another subject. I think. We'll see. Hebrews 4 and 12. Hebrews 4 and 12. The Word of God is quick. It's living and alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So soul and spirit are not the same thing though they are very closely connected. And of the joints and the marrow. In fact, the way to understand the relationship between spirit and soul is to understand joint and marrow. 
how, how our spirit and soul connected and functioning, just like joint and marrow does. The Word of God can distinguish and separate to that fine a point and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How can I tell what's God and what's not? Your main tool support is the Word, the Word of God. The Lord will quicken to you the applicable Word in your situation and it will help you to identify what you're hearing and what you're sensing as Him or not Him. And there is specific word in Galatians 5 that describes what is the Spirit and what is not the Spirit. And I want us to look at it. Go with me to Galatians 5, please. What's God? What's not God? What's Him and what's not Him? We, there are specific things in the Word that can help us quickly and positively identify what's Him. And what's not him. In Galatians the 5th chapter. Galatians chapter 5. And 16. He says walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How can you keep from yielding to the desires of the flesh that are wrong? Walk in the spirit. And you'll do that automatically. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. So you and I. He's talking to born again believers. When we got born again. It was the the man on the inside. The spirit that became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Not the man on the outside. You got the same body. And the same propensity for desires and thoughts and everything else now as you did the day before you got saved your body did not get born again there's coming a time when your body's going to be changed right but not yet we got the same body with the same inclinations that can be pulled on with the same desires and temptations as people who don't know God who've never been saved The difference is the man on the inside. We have been changed on the inside. And immediately being born again, we're told to do something with our mind and do something with our body. We're to get our mind renewed with the Word of God. And we are to keep our body under control. Aren't we? We're to control it. And this passage is revealing there is a, there's a pull. The body's trying to pull you one way and your spirit's endeavoring to pull you another way. Has anybody discovered this yet? <laughs> and there's nobody in the church house that has become so spiritual that you're not having to deal with that anymore. And it will not happen in this life. As long as you got flesh, it'll pull you the wrong way if you let it. But the inside of you if you'll let that dominate your being, we'll pull you the right way. It, can you see this description here when he's, what he's talking about? The, the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary the one to the other. Verse 18, but if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. What's the key to this dilemma? Being led by the spirit. Verse 19, 
Now the works of the flesh are manifest. They are revealed and obvious. Which are these? Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Strife. Seditions. Heresies. Envyings. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelings. And such like. The list goes on. Of the which I tell you before as I've told you in time past. That they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. All these things he just mentioned. What are they? They are works of the flesh. Would that be different from the leading of the spirit? Absolutely. Then the next verse he talks about the fruit of the spirit. Well, the fruit of the Spirit of God is going to lead you in the ways He is. He's a Holy Spirit. His leadings are going to be holy. He's a Spirit of truth. His leadings are going to be truth. He's a Spirit of peace. His leadings are going to be peace. Can you see this? His leadings are going to be love and joy. Right? So here in these couple of verses, we see a list of things we know couldn't be his leadings. And we see a list of things we know will be his leadings. So let's go over it, get it in our mind real strong so that we recognize it. Remember, the word of God helps you to discern what's him, what's not him. In verse 19, let's look at it. The works of the flesh. This is not the spirit. This is the flesh. Are manifest and are these. What's the first one? Is the spirit of God leading people to have affairs. With other people's spouses. Huh? Ever? (laughs) Ever? In some isolated instances. That are very complicated. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. No. Now, now, now we, I heard laughter, but I know of situations where people have tried to tell their ministers and tried to tell other people, I've prayed about this. We've prayed a lot about this, and our marriages have been dead long ago. And in the spirit, that was already done, and, and it's okay for me to pursue so-and-so's wife. Now, now don't... I know a lot of people have made mistakes in these areas. And we're not looking back. Right? But if you did mess up in the past and and you're in a different situation now, if you want to keep from messing this one up, we need to get some things real clear. The Holy Spirit is never leading you to have an affair with somebody else's spouse. Ever. (laughs) Ever. Ever. Never. No exceptions. So if you got a pull, something's trying to lead you to get involved with somebody else's spouse, what do you know? This is not God. I don't care how many records you listen to. People go, well, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. That's being led by your feelings, by your desires, by your eyes. And it's not love. 
Well, it is. It is. No, it's not the love of God. I, I can't live without them. I need them. I've never been in love with anybody like this before. And you hear people say this, and they, they never spend any time together. They just eyeballed somebody across the room or, or at work, and they're head over heels in love. They don't even know them, and yet they're in love. What does that mean? It, this is not loving them. This is not the love of God. When you say, I love you, I need you. That is a self-love. You love how they make you feel. And if they quit making you feel that way, well, now you're fell out of love. And the thrill is gone. And we're looking for spouse number nine. And the problem with that is no matter how many times you go through it, eventually the news going to wear off. This is flesh enticed by the enemy. James says, when anybody's tempted, don't say you're tempted of God because God cannot be tempted with evil and he never tempts anybody to do evil. But everybody's tempted when they are drawn away of their own desires and enticed. And when that sin, well, we'll put it up on the screen for us. I'm quoting it, but everybody needs to look at it. Uh, James 1 and uh, 16. Let's look in the Living Bible and, and look at it this way. The, the Living Bible. King James says, do not err, my beloved brethren. But the Living Bible says, so don't be misled, dear brothers. Are we talking about being led by the Spirit? What would mislead you? What would lead you off? Your flesh? Oh, somebody say your flesh. You got flesh? Oh, you do. Did your flesh get born again? It did not. You can't trust your flesh any further than you can throw it. Your flesh, your flesh will do anything you let it do. Your flesh will be a drunkard, a drug addict. Will do sexually perverted stuff. Your flesh. I'm saying, oh no, no. You let it go far enough. It will get worse and worse and worse. And what used to do it for you. Won't do it anymore. And you'll get more bizarre. And more messed up. Your flesh will go all the way to the bottom. If you let it. I said if. So what's the solution? Don't start down that road. There's a little simple two letter word. You need to learn. With your flesh. Anybody guess what it might be? N O No. <laughs> I want so and so's wife. No. Don't bring it up again. I want to steal that money. No. No. I want to do this. I want to do that. Back up to verse 12 in James 1. Happy is the man who doesn't give in. And do wrong when he's tempted. Will you be happier if you give in or if you don't give in? If you tell the lie or you don't tell the lie. You have the affair or you don't have the affair. Which will you be happier if you don't give in? Afterwards, you'll get the reward, the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. Keep going, verse 13. When someone wants to do wrong, it's never God who's tempting them. God never wants to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else to do it. Keep going. 
Temptation is the pull of a man's own evil thoughts and wishes. You can't even blame this on the devil. (laughs) Your flesh wants it. But you don't have to follow every urge or desire that you have or thought that comes across your mind. Keep going, verse 15. Evil thoughts lead to evil actions. And afterwards, there's death. The wages of sin is death. It started out as a desire, as a thought, as a feeling. Before it's all over with, there is devastation, there's destruction, families destroyed, ministries destroyed, churches destroyed. Was it really worth that? No. No, but if you follow the flesh, it'll ruin your life. Go back to Galatians 5. What do we know is not a leading of the Holy Spirit? Adultery is not a Holy Spirit leading. Fornication is not a Holy Spirit leading. That word fornication is also uh, translated harlotry, whoredom. It basically means being loose. (laughs) Just sleeping with anybody and everybody you can. How many of the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do that? What else? Uncleanness. Other translations say impurity, debauchery, lasciviousness. Uh, That word basically means no restraint. What does this flesh need? It needs some control, doesn't it? It needs some restraint because it it don't know when to quit. Have you found out this about your flesh? It'll just keep on going, going until there's nothing left, until everything's destroyed. So if you're smart, you'll get yourself by the ear. And you say, no, we're not going down this road. Don't even start with me. Don't bring it up. <laughs> it's no today. It's no tomorrow. It's no next year. It's always going to be no. We're not doing this. This is wrong. We're not doing this. Even the most holy saint of God has found thoughts and feelings come to them that were unclean and wrong. That doesn't mean this is something wrong with you or that you're evil. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted in all points, just like us, yet without sin. Anybody can have a wrong thought or feeling. What do you do with it is what matters. Do you meditate on it? Do you dwell on it? Do you fantasize? Do you try to make it happen? Or do you say, that's wrong. I'm not going to think on that. I'm not going, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going that way. And you cast it down. And you, let, you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill The lust of the flesh. Can you say amen? Amen. Idolatry. Spirit of God never leads you to worship. Something else. Covetousness is idolatry. The scripture said. Did you know you can worship a car? You can worship success. You can worship a house. You can worship your stuff. You can worship your status. We only have one God. None of this stuff. Witchcraft. Is a work of the flesh. You ever thought about that? Witchcraft. It's called a work of the flesh. Other uh, translations say sorcery. Some say spiritism. Did you know the Spirit of God never led you to call a hotline and get get a psychic reading? Mm-mm. Or to get your palm read? Mm-mm. That's flesh. And that's the enemy trying to entice. 
Spirit of God's not in any of that. The words that are translated witchcraft here actually include two ideas of medication and magic. It's where we get our word pharmacy and pharmaceuticals from. Beware of drugs, friends. Of course, we know you shouldn't be on heroin and snorting cocaine and, you know, shouldn't be on crack. But, you know, there are millions of people that are addicted to prescription drugs. And it keeps their mind in a fog. They are not who they should be. They're different people. And it's flesh. And maybe there's some stuff that you used for a while. It helped you out. But you should have been off of it years ago. And that it is not the Spirit of God leading you to continue using drugs as a crutch. That's flesh. Your flesh can use things as a crutch. And it will hinder your spirituality. Hatred. The Spirit of God ever leads you to be hostile? No. That's your flesh. I've seen people just rude. I was with a... a a minister, this has been long years ago, we were traveling commercial airline, and uh, there was some kind of problem with our flight, we got delayed, something happened, and man, he chewed out the person behind the counter, and he gave them what for, and what was going to happen, just, just hostile and rude. I backed off a little distance. He looked at me, and he came going to explain it to me. He said, well, he said, uh, he said, that's my prophetic anointing. It gets strong. I just shook my head. It's got nothing to do with prophetic. It's called F-L-E-S-H. Flesh. Spirit of God's not leading you to be rude, hard, unreasonable with people, hostile with people, pushy demanding with people. Holy Ghost has got nothing to do with that. That's not him. What, what, how does he lead? Love. Joy. What else? Peace. What else? Long suffering. That means you stand there for three hours and you still got a smile on your face and your flesh is having a fit. You say, shut up, shut up. This is a perfect opportunity for me to crucify this flesh. Your flesh will be squealing. I can't stand. I got to get out of here. I got places to go. I got things you say. Shut up. Flesh. And you just smile. And act like. And they ask you. And you go. Oh no. Y'all, y'all go first. Y'all go right ahead. Fine. And your flesh is going. No. 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 Your spirit's pulling you one way. Your flesh is trying to pull you another way. It's up to us what we yield to. Isn't it? He cut in front of me. He cut me off. I'm going to cut him off. You act like a heathen. Let your flesh lead you. Wind up on the five o'clock news. <laughs> that's been something that's helped me several times. I used to be a sport fighter. I learned how to punch and kick. And uh, we were on a trip one time, and this guy said some ugly, rude things to Phyllis. And I got flesh. And 
I mean quicker than you can blink your eyes. I saw how I could kick him upside the head. And then I could put a ridge hand right on his neck. And, you know, he'd have time to think about it on the ground. I mean, just like that. I, I, I saw how I could do it. And wanted to do it. Now. And just like that, the Spirit of God prompted me. And I could see headlines in the local paper. <laughs> Doesn't the media love stuff like that? Yeah. I'm supposed to be a man of God. And here I am kicking people in the head, you know. And the Lord dealt with me. It's already done. You doing that's not going to change that. The Lord said, vengeance is mine. Getting even, getting back is my department, not yours. Oh, man, it wasn't easy on me. You know, I'm wanting to punch somebody. But no matter how you feel, you can get a hold of your flesh and just chill out. Make yourself take a time out. Right? (laughs) Flesh, you need a time out. (laughs) Go over here and sit down. And be quiet. You can always act like a heathen later if you decide that's what you're supposed to do. But right now, you know you're not supposed to. But right now, how many of if you can, if you can get a hold of yourself and wait just sometimes just five minutes, Amen. wisdom can prevail. Yes. And you can have some sense and spare yourself from lawsuits, injuries, money. You are listening to me, all kind of stuff. Why? I wasn't the Spirit of God leading me to kick him in the head. <laughs> now, I know that's obvious to y'all sitting there, but have you ever been worked up over something? Have you ever been? You know you have. And will your flesh try to lead? My flesh was trying to lead me. But the Spirit of God's trying to lead me another way. It's up to me what I listen to, which way I go. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Spirit of God's not leading us in wrath, fits of rage. He's not leading us in jealousy, hostility. He's not leading us envyings. One translation says ill will. He's not leading us drunkenness to stay drunk and stay high. Spirit of God never led you. Said you need to get drunk right now. That is never the Holy Ghost. You need to get high. That's what you need to get high. Never the Holy Ghost. Somebody say never the Holy Ghost. Verse 17 says revelings. You know what that is? Some translations say orgies. Some say wild parties. It literally means to let loose. Abandon. What does the flesh need? It needs restraint. It needs control. Why? It will do anything you let it do. It will. And, and if you keep yielding, it'll get worse and worse and worse. So what's the solution? Don't start yielding in those things. Make it easy on yourself. Don't go to the wild party. You know, the writer of the Proverbs warned his sons about the wayward woman. He's talking about the prostitute. And with some of his advice, some of the best advice you ever heard, he said, don't go near the door of her house. What does that mean? Don't go to that part of town. Don't go down that road. Why? Because it's easier to pass the grocery store than it is the cookie aisle. 
Anybody know what I mean or not? It's, you make it easy on yourself. Right? Is it or not? Let's say you're wanting to lose a couple of pounds and you're wanting to cut the cookies or ice cream out for a little bit. Which is easier? Avoiding the grocery store or avoiding your refrigerator? Which is easier? It's easier just not having it in there. Make it easy on yourself. Right? If something's pulling on you, avoid it. Stay away from it. Make it easy on yourself. Don't subject yourself to unnecessary temptation. You're asking for trouble. And people that say, I can handle it. I can handle it. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to learn some things about how sinners sin. <laughs> We're going to read about you on the news. <laughs> I can handle it. No, no, no. The fact that you're wanting to dabble with it means you're already further gone than you realize. You're already yielding and don't have enough discernment to see it. If you were, really were free, you'd want to stay away from it. If you really did see what's going on, you'd want to stay away. Don't go down the street. Don't go around it. It says, and such like, the list goes on. The Spirit of God's never going to lead us in any of those things. That's not the Spirit. That's flesh. How's He going to lead us? Look at the, the fruit of the Spirit. How is He going to lead us? When your flesh is trying to get you to be selfish and mean, if you check your heart, the Holy Ghost is leading you to what? Love. 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 Can you be nice to somebody when you feel like slapping them? Can you? Can you? Can you give them a gift when you feel like running them over? Can you? You can't. So you, you, you're going to have flesh. Sometimes people like to leave the idea well, I've been sanctified. And I no longer have any of those feelings. I just love everybody. You like to do an experiment with those folks. Sit them in a chair and go, whop. How you feel? Tell me how you feel. As <laughs> long as you got flesh, you're going to have feelings. And if you've been done wrong or perceive that you've been done wrong, your flesh wants to get back. It does. And it, it, it can be loud. It can scream. I don't have to take that. They're not getting away with that. And, and you, if you listen to it, here come, the enemy will come with a plan for you to hurt them. Some way. Cause them to lose their job. Cause them to have to do this. I, I mean... And it's a leading. I said it's a leading. But it's not the Spirit of God. And if you follow. How many know as a child of God. You can follow the wrong thing. You can follow your flesh. Spirit of God's going to lead you in love. Uh, does Spirit of God ever lead you to be depressed? No. What's he leading you in? Joy. Spirit of God ever leads you to be scared and worried. and Fret and pace the floor. And he's leading you in peace. Spirit of God ever lead you to be impatient, hmm? hot-headed, quick-tempered, quick-mouthed? No, what's he going to lead you? What, what, what does long-suffering mean? It means you suffer a long time. <laughs> right? You're hurting, but it's uncomfortable, but you can handle it. 
Because the greater one lives inside you. How many think all, every child of God needs to learn to bite their lip and be quiet and put up with some stuff and not let it, no matter what's going on, let it lead you. Jesus is a good example. Even when he ran the money changers out of the temple, he didn't just do that off the cuff. The day before, he came in there and observed it the whole day. You know it bothered him. You know it upset him. But he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. Why? Because he only says what he hears his father say. He only does what he sees him do. He left. He didn't do anything until the father directed him to. And then he's not doing it just because he's mad and upset. He's doing it because the Lord directed him to. Gentleness. One of the qualities and characteristics of God. That God's in something. That God's in somebody. They're kind. Everybody say kind. We could spend a lot of time on this. Did you know it's not just what you say, but it's also how you say it? Makes all the difference in the world. The Bible said the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Sometimes just how you say it. Learn instead of telling people, learn to ask. Instead of saying, you need to do this. (laughs) You know you're supposed to be doing that. I told you. People don't respond well to that. They just don't. Well, they should be strong and, and not have a problem with it. Maybe they should. But they're not. If you'll just, just have some wisdom. And come in and lower the volume. And change the tone. And, and turn it into an inquiry. Have you thought about this? You know, I was thinking about such and such, and uh, it seemed to me that this would work good. Instead of, you need to do this, what are you doing that for? (laughs) Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? I've told you 190 times. Does that work good? Now, you don't need to be thinking... Yeah, I I told them not to talk to me that way. No, we're talking about how you talk to people. Don't be thinking about people talking to you. We're talking about how you talk to people. And all of us can improve. I don't think all of us got room. Do you believe you got room in this area? This includes your kids. This includes your kids, your teenagers. Treat them with some respect. This includes your spouse. Well, I got to have somewhere where I can just come in and let my hair down and be myself. They understand me. Let me interpret that phrase. Let my hair down, be myself, flesh out. Yield to the flesh. And it's not okay to yield to the flesh at home any more than yielding to the flesh at church. It's not okay. And the, when, you're, when you're fleshing out, telling people how you really feel, giving them peace of your mind, the Spirit of God's not leading you to do that. That's flesh. And the Bible said the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Does it? That means you're, you're doing some stuff, but God's not in it. You're a child of God. You know some things. Maybe you may be telling them the truth. But the way you're doing it, they may not be hearing it at all. 
and don't want to hear it. Well, this is what's right. You have to do what's right. No, they never have to do what's right. They have a free will. You have to, you have to listen to me. They never have to listen to you. This includes your teenagers. They don't have to listen to you. Millions have proved it. <laughs> you will do what I say. They may not. <laughs> there may not be a thing you can do about it. I will. I'll make them. That's devilish. You can lead, but it's up to folks whether they want to follow or not. Even if it costs them dearly if they don't. The Spirit of God will lead you in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Somebody say gentle, 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 gentle. Did you know God could scare us so bad our heart would stop in its tracks and our eyeballs would pop out of our head. Did you know it? He could come in this room right now and say, I said. And we'd all go. (gasps) He could scare us so bad. Yet notice when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God came in a bodily shape and form as a. He could have come as an elephant. He's big. <laughs> Couldn't he? He could have come as something else. I mean, he, but with all his might and his power, one of the most outstanding characteristics of him, he's kind. He's so powerful. I mean, all the stars and all the planets and their rotations and all the gravitational forces, all of it is upheld every millisecond. By the word of his power. The power coming out of the throne. We have no idea. How much power does it take. To keep our star burning. Our sun. How much power. Much less all the rest of the universe. All that power comes out of him. And yet. As powerful as he is. He can speak to you. In a still. Small. Kind voice. That doesn't scare you at all. That's the Spirit of God. Oh, no, he, he speaks up at times. I don't mean to imply that he doesn't. But uh, he's never trying to scare us. He's never trying to just overwhelm us. And He wouldn't have to try very hard. Everybody say love. love. Joy. Joy. Peace. Peace. Long suffering. Gentleness. Gentleness. Goodness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness, temperance, that last one, temperance, many of them say self-control, where the flesh is no restraint, do it all, do anything, break every rule, Spirit of God's not leading you that, that's the flesh. What's the Spirit of God leading you to do? Put a lid on it, control that, right? Control yourself, self-restraint. Temperance means self-control, self-restraint, and the Lord will help us. And when we're spirit-led, we're led into life and victory and the full plan of God. Can you say amen? Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website 
at morelife.org.